Hello and welcome back to the Lack of Depth Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Began. I am here every week, sometimes twice. And uh, in this week's podcast, we have unfortunately not had any fixtures for my rank to increase from 500,000. But what that has given me time to do is analyse, I believe, 27 players on my watch list to replace Mo Salah. And so please like and subscribe because obviously preparing watch list videos on 27 individuals takes quite a bit of time. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope you guys appreciate the effort that I've put into it. I guess the briefest way to say it is that um, whether they're right or wrong, a lot of people are considering taking out Salah. And so today's video is about the, the things you could do with that cash, being that he is the most expensive player in the game. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm going to bring up the graphics and then we'll get into it. So to start with Arsenal, who are, of course, top of the league after... Um, you know, flying through their first five fixtures with five wins and then ultimately succumbing to Manchester United. Uh, I've only got one suggestion from Arsenal. Uh, this is this is for a few reasons. The Most people already have Jesus, and so I've not included him. You could obviously consider going there. And the fixtures aren't amazing immediately. And so if, if you are making the change right now, I'm not sure how many of them you're likely to consider, especially if you consider that, you know, the goalkeeper isn't getting saves tiers and Saliba is kind of most must own. So I guess even in bad fixtures, you'd think about bringing him in, but defenders, I'm not sure how many clean sheets they're going to keep out of Tottenham, Liverpool, Leeds and Man City. I think you could, it wouldn't be too outlandish to say they don't keep any in those four fixtures. And with Gabriel Jesus, it's not entirely outlandish to say that those are four blanks especially when players like Mitrovic have uh, a higher expected goals than Gabriel Jesus this season. Jesus obviously has a higher expected goals than Martinelli, but the only reason why you might consider Martinelli for the transition is just because of the amount of money that frees up. People are considering Rashford and Martinelli is even cheaper than him. Actually, what's quite interesting is because Rashford scored two goals and got an assist in that last game, which is kind of an outlandish performance from him that I doubt anyone was expecting, nor nor would I say that I don't think any many people are expecting him to repeat that next week either. They're just kind of people who are bringing Rashford in are just kind of hoping that this is representative of a return to form, generally hoping that he picks up, do you mean, a return every two weeks or, or, or a weekly return if the fixtures are good. I don't think anyone's thinking he's going to turn into De Bruyne anytime soon. But... With Martinelli, the thing I really liked about him is that he had some kind of return every single game until the Man United match, which is just an incredibly like significant thing. Like the fact that the way single game days work, not sure anyone's really captaining Martinelli because they have players like Saliba and Jesus as well. But if you consider this fixture run coming up and the fact that many people would be taking out Jesus as well to have someone like Mitrovic in because they're limited on the amount of strikers they could have uh jesus and salah out for um mitrovic and martinelli uh if i was to say anything from their performances already i imagine you would the amount of points you were scoring would only go up so that's probably all right as well although martinelli there is kind of a, a small argument to be made that he could be rotated 
every time they've brought on Smith Rowe, most of the time they've brought on Smith Rowe, obviously I haven't watched every single game, but every time I've seen Smith Rowe be brought on, he's been brought on and played through the middle, which I think is really interesting. A lot of time being played alongside Martin Elliott, so I'm not sure if we should expect him to be just kind of randomly taken out at any moment and replaced with Smith Rowe. He's obviously first choice, and so I doubt... Yeah, I just doubt that's kind of on the horizon. It could happen in a one-off, but it could happen to anyone in a one-off. I do still think Saka is slightly more nailed, but I think because of the quality of the additions, I think it's very important for Arsenal, uh, for Arteta and Arsenal to get this squad getting consistent minutes with each other and playing with each other and understanding each other. And so I don't think he's going to mess with that now, especially with the lack of rotation. Apart from in cases where there's been injury, he really hasn't rotated anything where he hasn't needed to so far. And so I do think that's interesting. So yeah, our first one's Martinelli, and I'm going to try and go through the next ones uh, with a bit more of a pep in my step. Uh, the next one is Haaland. If you don't have Haaland now, like if I own Haaland and you don't own Haaland, there is a serious issue. Yes, there's a lot of green. The fixtures are... Man United, the reason why that's why is because anything can happen in a derby. Southampton's an amazing fixture. Liverpool, Arsenal, Brett. Like, if you have Salah and don't have Haaland, 100% do that swap. 100%. I don't think I need to say anything else. De Bruyne is more interesting because then you would be doubling up on... Um, because then you would be doubling up on Manchester City talent. The only thing that would hold me back, possibly, is that Rodri's currently outscoring De Bruyne. And so although... I would. I'm not sure if I would be surprised if that didn't keep up. I think that by the end of the season they'll probably score about equal, and Rodri is three million less, two million less. So my only counterpoint, if you're we're considering going for De Bruyne, is that yes, De Bruyne could have the captaincy holes to you know, kind of, uh, encourage you to make that switch, but. I would be tempted by going for by going for like someone like Rodri, considering he would cover the same game days and consistently get points in a slightly different way. Uh, and if if Sky FF has taught us anything, it's that you know I mean consistent bonus points really are the the bread and butter of top players. That and owning Martinelli, I guess. Next, Ruben Diaz. Right, I think this is interesting. I think this is an interesting show. So Diaz, he made a sub-appearance against Newcastle and he started every other game. So here's my point with Diaz. Diaz has 35 points, which is only slightly more than Eric Dyer. Van Dijk has 44, but he scored a goal. Van Dijk's more nailed than Diaz. And they are basically the same price. Van Dijk is 0.1 million more. I'm trying to think if any part of me thinks I should go Diaz over Van Dijk. I just think, what if it shakes out that... How bad can the Liverpool defence be that going for the more nailed Van Dijk, also more likely to score Van Dijk? Well, actually, no, Van Dijk is more likely to score. How bad can the Liverpool defence be that going for the more nailed Van Dijk is ultimately slightly worse than going for the slightly less nailed but more likely to get a clean sheet Diaz? I think it's also important to say, like when you're talking about how bad their defence has been, 
They didn't keep a clean sheet against Aston Villa, Palace, or Newcastle. And th- those are all pretty firmly mid-table teams. I guess Newcastle aren't. They're kind of striving to be really top one. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Diaz is an option, I guess, is what I would say. And if you already have Van Dijk, I think that could be an interesting swap, like doing something like uh, an upgrade in defence and a downgrade uh, from Salah to Diaz. It just doesn't free up that much money as well. He's quite expensive too, but I guess big at the back, meta, so on and so forth. Next, we have Rodri, who I've already mentioned. I think this could be a great pick. Favourite thing about this is that it's really boring. It's like aggressively boring. And... Yeah, that's kind of all I've got to say. It's like a super, super boring pick. And uh, he'll score some goals as well and get assists. And he's like really nailed. And yeah, passes, tackles, all that stuff. Man of the match, I was going to say, but they don't make points. I've got Romero and then a question mark. I don't know why why I put the question mark there. But these fixtures look great to me. I think, I think... Three or four clean sheets in six games is all right for a player who only costs 7.8 million. And the amount of money you'd free up by going from someone who costs 12 million, I think Salah costs, if I'm not mistaken. What does Salah cost? 11.7. Okay, so close to 12 million. Going from someone who costs close to 12 million to someone who costs 7.8. You know, the, the upgrades you can make all over the shop. You wouldn't have to own Dean Henderson anymore, even though you do need to own Dean Henderson for the captaincy days. And yeah, again, just feel like anyone playing Man U's at the moment's not the best fixture. And uh, the reason why Arsenal is great is because anything can happen in a derby match, especially as a defender. You wouldn't bet in a clean sheet. Uh, next up, we have Pascal Gross. So I have a few. Obviously, there's the kind of trio of midfield enablers who score goals and stuff for Brighton that you can choose from. Uh, McAllister has the highest XG, but he has the lowest non-penalty XG because he essentially plays like a breaking up play holding midfielder who also is like a level of playmaker, which is a weird position to own in FPL and, and sorry, in Sky FF. I'm not sure if... I'll, 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 I'm going to go check on this now, but I'm not sure if McAllister gets passing tiers, but you'd hope he got get tackles tiers with the kind of role he's playing. Right. You got shots tier two in the game that he scored like the eleven penalties and free kicks. You got tackles tier one against Fulham, tackles tier one against Leeds, passes tier one against West Ham, and tackles tier two against Newcastle. And so if I was gonna go for one of them, I guess I'd go from him because the tiers are there and he's on penalties, and I guess he also scores like some level of goals. And if I was going to bring in any of them with this run of fixtures, which are Liverpool, Tottenham, Brentford, Nottingham Forest, Man City and Chelsea, I'd want it to be the guy who's most likely to get tears, which is him of the three of them, and uh, is on penalties. Because that's like, they're more likely to score from that than, I would say they're more likely to score that than in open play. Like if they happen to get a penalty, they'll probably get a penalty in one of these six matches and he'll be the guy on them. And... McAllister's also like a better pick compared to like other teams because Brighton don't have you don't have to worry about European competition, so he's much less likely to get rotated. But yeah, I'd go for the tackles guy and when they're playing Man City and Chelsea back to back. McAllister, 
Trossard, I never like going for Trossard. Trossard feels to me like someone who will never play well if I bring him in. That's just my logic. And it's just like the XG and stuff is, is okay. It's an okay option. But I feel like McAllister's quite exciting because he gets tears and goals. And for 7.4 million, I think he's like a huge upgrade on like some lowly enablers. Like the issue I was talking about where at some point Gerard will change the system or will be sacked and Bubakar Kamara won't be an option anymore. And so I'd uh, maybe at that point, I'll go for McAllister. So those are our Brighton boys. Then we've got Rashi, Rashford. Um, what do I think about Rashi? Uh, it'd be effing weird to bring him in before the... Oh, I forgot to preface all of these fixtures. I'll need to edit this and put it at the beginning. All of these fixtures that I've highlighted are from after the international break because of obvious IRL events that mean this whole fixture was missed. And then next fixture week, we don't know which ones are going to happen. And so I felt, and then after that, it's an international break. And so it feels like more sensical and like the kind of content holds up better over time if we just start analyzing from after the international break and hope we all make it there in one piece. Uh, yeah, so we got Rashid. Third most points of any midfield player. Totally nothing to do with the fact that he's only played amazing in one game. Um, is he a striker? No. Is he good in open play transition? Yes. What kind of other stuff does he do? That's kind of it. He's a big transition guy. I do think his best position is off the left. I think he's basically like a kind of Martinelli regen. Like they're kind of the same player except Martinelli has been kind of in form for a year now. Even though at the end of last season, he wasn't really in form. Tends to start seasons well, does Martinelli. But yeah, Rashford, I wouldn't be jumping at the chance to own him with those fixtures. That's the only thing I'll say. Next, Martinez. Let's go check if he gets passing tiers. I don't think he does, but also like the defense actually looks good now. And so that's something to think about. There he is, Leandro Martinez. He doesn't get passing tears. Whoa, I think he got tackles tears against Brighton. No, he got passing tears too against Brighton. I promised after the last one that I wouldn't sing anymore. But yeah, I do think there are slightly better defensive options than Leandro Martinez, especially with those fixtures. Have I? Why have I made? Why have I made? Oh, right. So Rashford's fixtures are different because I'm viewing that in an attacking sense. And I do think, although Rashford could score a goal in transition against Man City, in fact, I think that's quite likely. I think it's very unlikely that Leandro Martinez keeps a clean sheet against Man City. And then I kind of think the reverse is true for the Newcastle fixture. And so that's why they're slightly different. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Dalo, I would rather go for Martinez than Dalo uh, because... Um, I don't think Delo is going to get that many uh, assists and I don't think he's going to get that many tiers uh, just because his end delivery is awful. I know he's got an assist already, but I'm sticking to my point. His his delivery is really bad. And then Malasia, I like him because he gets tackles tiers. And so I guess he's my number one. How much does he cost? Malasia costs... Okay, you got tackles tiers against them. Okay, he's only got tackles tiers once. But um so I wouldn't overreact to what I've said. I guess I had a, a, 
a perception of him that he was some kind of tackle giant. But he averages in the past year, obviously it was in a different league, he averages what? 2.77 tackles per game per 90. It's not exactly four or five, is it? So, I don't know, maybe all the defenders are kind of equal to each other and just go for the cheapest one. Malassi only costs 7.6, so I guess that's something to think about. I don't know what the low costs, but it's probably not a lot either. Next, Fofana. Obviously, Chelsea's fixture run's amazing, and so I'm considering going for Fofana anyway because I think he'll be more nailed than Kukurela. Kukurea, I think, although Trossard... Although Trossard, although Potter is, as a word I say all the time, is tactically dexterous, he is a problem solver. He'll use a team to beat a team rather than play the same formation every time. He does prefer three at the backs, generally. It's why he played at Brighton. And this team and squad set up, they have so many centre-backs who have been promised game time. I'll be really shocked if he doesn't play a five at the back here as well. And so with all of that in mind, I am expecting the back three to be um, Fofana on the right, uh, Silva in the middle most games, and Koulibaly on the left. Like, that is what I'm expecting to be. But I do think uh, Potter's always been a great development coach and he's always been good about about getting the, the best out of young players. And so I'll be shocked if Chalaba isn't in the fold. And so I don't think any of them are necessarily as nailed as the could have been for the rest of the season but what I'll also say is when managers come in and they want to assert themselves they can go one of two ways they can do what Arteta's doing at the moment I know he's not new but it's just to illustrate the point they can do what Arteta's doing at the moment where you don't change the team at all in order for it to gel and people understand systems and that way when you do start to bring players in they know exactly what they're doing right or they'll chop and change a lot to find out what their best combinations are Generally, the latter happens more when things are they start doing one thing and it just becomes terrible right from the start. But yeah, we'll watch and see. Fafana could be like a wait and see type thing, like keep an eye on him. But yeah, with fixtures like that, it might just be worth the risk for 7.5 million. I think I might be taking that risk. Especially because I have to, this is Sterling now, but I have to remove, if I was to get rid of Salah, I have to get Salah out and I'd have to get rid of Cucurella as well because I don't think he's nailed. A lot of people are saying like it's a good sign that Potter's coming because Potter obviously likes Cucurella at Brighton, which is not untrue. But Potter's not an idiot and you'd have to be an idiot to not play Ben Chilwell at all. Ben Chilwell's amazing for playing against low box. His penetration and his runs are just incredible. They're really second to none for left backs and um, Potter's going to want to use that. I'll be shocked if Potter doesn't want to use that. Because I think, although Kukurea is probably the more creative passer, uh, Chilwell's movement is just invaluable. And I can really imagine him in Potter's wing back slash wing role if you imagine him playing like uh, Trossard does when he plays in the left wing back role for them. You can, you know what, I'm, you're picking up what I'm putting down. I think. Uh, so next would be Sterling. And this is, I'm also considering this. So I would consider a move that is Salah. If I was getting rid of Salah, which I'm not sure if I am, but if I was in those shoes, you know what I mean? Role playing for the video. I would consider taking out Salah and Kukurea for Fafana and Sterling. Because of that fixture run, because of the new manager bounce, I think Sterling could score a lot of goals in these fixtures because of the new manager bounce. 
last season uh, we said a similar thing about Havertz it wasn't new manager bounce it was just an insane fixture run and he was going to be playing up front and it ended up being Mount that got the halls and so I would have one eye on Mount but with Sterling currently playing as like a nine essentially by himself now Aubameyang's there he's, he's playing as kind of one of two strikers. He's very mobile. He's a great fit. He's not a great finisher. He's great at getting in positions to finish, and he's always consistently scored a lot of goals in the Premier League. His his goals per night has always been exceptional, and so I think good. And the fixtures being Crystal Palace, Wolves, Aston Villa, who are on the brink of collapse, Brentford, who anyone can score against. Sometimes they do keep clean sheets, but anyone can score against Brentford. I think that's fair. Uh, Man United's not amazing, but this is five game weeks away, so they could have sacked Ten Hag by then. You know, I mean, it's erratic club, and then bringing it home album, which will be a great game. You know, I mean, Potter's homecoming. I think he'll be he'll be applauded by the home fans, even though he left mid season because he did a lot for them and he's liked. So yeah, I think owning Sterling for this fixture run could be a huge differential come up for anyone braver than I. But Potter's wing-back management and management of the wing, and he currently playing them like basically like wingers. If you imagine Reese James in that Solly March role, he'll be amazing. And so I would love to own Reese James right now. I would love to own Reese James right now. I know he doesn't get bonuses, but I just think he'll score so many goals. He's so good, and he's so nailed, and they will be better. And Porter's always been a good defensive coach, and he loves to get his wing-backs involved in attack. And I just think, yes, yes, it's all lining up. It's good. This is a great differential as Reese James, so is Sterling. So that's why, even though Chelsea have been poo-poo-caca so far, I think the fixture run being so good and having the new manager bounce means that I'm really enticed by these Sterlings, these Jameses, and these Fofanas. So, yeah. And then next, we've got Van Dijk. I think this is quite an obvious one for me. I don't own Van Dyke, and that is like a, a kind of L of a differential for me in my league. And so it's like an easy transition for me to make for, to just go from covering those captaincy days with Salah to covering those captaincy days with Van Dyke. And like I said, the fixture run is kind of irrelevant because I'm just moving from someone with the same fixtures to another player with the same fixtures who's more likely to get bonuses and no longer hoping on attacking output for a team that doesn't look like they've entirely worked out their attacking structure for the season. That was quite, that was good and concise. Nunes, he doesn't, he doesn't look like he's entirely worked out either. And so I feel like you're kind of, you're on watching the most recent performances. I feel like by owning Nunes, you, you are kind of rolling the dice. You are kind of rolling the dice. And I, I don't think anyone, after seeing that Napoli performance, I don't think anyone's thinking, oh, I have to get rid of Salah because Liverpool are playing so badly. And I have to replace him with Nunes because he's playing so well. And so this does feel like a risk as well. Diaz just keeps performing. He's so good. He's, he's so good at just doing... I was talking about Son last season. I know this is kind of irrelevant because Son hasn't been playing amazing the last little while he's kind of out of form but he just looks exhausted but Diaz this is what I said about Son last season is that Son plays well when they play well and plays well when they play badly and so owning Diaz if you're going to own a Liverpool attacker he definitely feels the one he feels nailed and he he kind of will be essential to them turning this around probably less essential to them turning it around and Salah starting scoring goals again. But yeah, I just, 
someone who's returning week in, week out when the team is playing awful is such an enticing offer because that's amazing. Because I wouldn't even say that he's in form. I would just say that like he's reliable. And when people like Mo Salah aren't in that team, that's where you want to look to go with your money. He's also cheaper. So yeah, saves you a million. Ivan Tony now. The screen's still red, but of course it's just a different red team. Uh, what do I think of Brentford's fixtures? Bournemouth, unreal. Newcastle, always a weird fixture. They could score three. They could concede three. They could... It could be nil-nil because sometimes they both pull it, They both of these teams pull out amazing defensive displays. Brighton, I don't know what to expect from them. I don't know what kind of coach Adam Lallana is. Chelsea won't be a good fixture at the moment. Aston Villa, Wolves. And then Tony. Um, issue with Tony, obviously those fixtures are generally good. The, the issue that's always been with Tony is that he's much more expensive than Mitrovic and Mitrovic's XG is better. And, mixed, and Fulham are currently top of the fixture ticker. And so, why, if, why, unless you're going for Tony and Mitrovic, which is, like, bizarre. Or is it? So, my front three is currently Haaland, Kane, and um, my front three is cur currently Haaland, Kane, and Jesus. Comment down below if I would get more or less points with Haaland, Kane, Jesus in the next six weeks or Haaland, Tony, Mitrovic in the next six game weeks after, this is the six game weeks after the um, international break, but, but as I've as I previously stated but yeah Adams, Tyler Adams from Leeds, he gets double bonuses, he's a, a giant of the tackling game let me just Let's just look up some some data on old Adams. Eight. I think he costs seven point three, which is just ugh, salt in the wounds of everyone who doesn't own him. Right here he is, Tyler Adams tackles tier two and passes tier two against Brentford, which is enough to make a Sky Fantasy Football fanatic cry. He got a yellow card, passes tier two and tackles tier one against Everton. So that's two weeks in a row he's got double bonuses. Then he got tackles. Then he's so. He's had tackles tiers every single game week and only two yellow cards. He's making Paulinho look like a stupid mess. Just kidding, Paulinho, I love you. But yeah, I get, I kind of in line with... Would I rather go for McAllister or Adams? Obviously McAllister because he's on pen, so there, there's like more of an upside there. But he's obviously like creative as well, so he could get assists. But someone getting double bonuses for 7.3 million is amazing. And so don't overlook this guy. Those are a good run of fixtures. And even in the bad fixtures, he'll get tackles tiers as well. So yeah, Tyler Adams, my love. Uh, Sinistera, for some reason, FB Ref didn't have the stats in this guy. I don't know why. But uh, he's uh, good. He looks good. He scored in his last two. And the fixtures are really good attacking-wise. And he looks like more of a kind of shot first, shooting first winger than... Harrison and so in a game where goals get you the most points you're probably going to want to look at him and he's only 7 point something million I'd probably rather go for Tyler Adams than Sinistera but that's because I'm, I'm trying to be as boring as possible because making fun picks makes you lose so so that's my uh, my Sinistera analysis now for Mitrovic uh, oh look at these fixtures man 
So obviously there's a weird Chelsea fixture. I don't even I think that's the one that's just that was meant to happen today and didn't, right? After the international break, we've got Newcastle, West Ham United, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Leeds, Everton. He'll score more goals than 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 anyone ever has in those fixtures. That's amazing. And he doesn't have Europe compared to like Jesus or something. Oh, I just want to own him. He's like really far up. My, my watch list at the moment. And so if you're in a formation where you own Salah and don't own Mitrovic and that fixture turns just coming, the only reason why West Ham are green here is because I think I, I in my brain, Mitrovic is more likely to score against them than Newcastle. I don't know if that's just because I'm an idiot, but that's how my brain feels. So yeah, Mitrovic, if you can go from Salah to Mitrovic or like in my case where I would go from Salah and Kukurea to like maybe like Diaz or... Sterling and Mitrovic that's like fly that's like a great decision in my opinion so yeah obviously he's on your radar already but yeah I was never gonna have have this list without having him be a part of it we're really making our way down the to the end of the list now Trippier been talking about him for weeks yeah Trippier will always Trippier will always be in my thoughts now that I can't go for Pope because I have to have Henderson for captaincy days and so um I don't, I'm not I'm still unsure Pope still feels like the pick to me. But if you have to pick an outfield player for Newcastle, it feels like Trippier. I've also not got Isaac in the list. I don't know why. I think I need to see more. I think I think, I think, think Isaac's a wait and see for me as well. And I think kind of akin to the, the Tony profile, I think when Tony and Mitrovic exist, Isaac being kind of non-understood and in a team with a lower expected goals in those two teams... I'll need to check if I've just made that up, but I feel like that's true. <laughs> and doing in a team with a lower expected goals in those two teams, it feels like it's most obvious in my head to go Mitrovic, number one, the god, to Tony, solid, we know him, team's playing well, three, Isaac. So yeah, comment how you would rank those guys, but that's how I see it just now. And then next we've got Wilfred Zaha. I think, I think this was... This is a move I almost made last week when I was kind of clutching at straws and didn't want to be fourth place in my mini league anymore. Zaha's go Zaha just he's in the form of his life. And so I know he missed a week with a knock or an injury or just like a, a twist or something, but I think unless that completely ruins his season and he's just not the player anymore and he retires this summer. I just can't see Zaha being a bad pick for a fixture run that is a London derby. So that Chelsea one could, should as well be great. And then Leeds, Leicester, Wolves, Everton, Southampton. I do think there's a case to be made that Zaha, of all the midfielders not playing in Europe, is the one to own. And uh, it certainly looks like that in the uh, rankings of the, the players in my head. These are obviously ranked by... Um, where the teams are in the league at the moment. And so because Zaha doesn't play for the best league team, that's why he's this far down. Because I would have him above players like Nunez and stuff. If it was... Yeah, you probably understand that already. Next, Anderson. Again, the fixtures are amazing. So why not go for him, Mr. Passy Boy? Got double bonus in the first game of the season and then we haven't really heard much about him. So let's get back on the Anderson train. Obviously, if you don't... If you don't own Romero already. Um, there's the temptation to go for him. Probably not 
a wrong temptation either. Uh, yeah, he's a good guy, Anderson. That's all I've got left to say. Uh, I'm running out of things to say because I've been talking about footballers for ages and the fixtures, again, are amazing. And last on our list is Jared Bowen. I wrote down some worrying stats about Jared Bowen because this these fixtures are good and Bowen was good last season. And so I think a lot of people might connect the dots that that would be like a fun differential to go for. But Bowen's XG per 90 uh, this season is 0.15, which is not amazing. And it's lower than Rice, Suchek, Antonio and Cornet. And Cornet's not that nailed. And so I wouldn't um, pick him. But I think there's an argument to be made for certainly picking Rice or Antonio before picking Bowen. Bowen, Antonio is more likely to get rotated than Bowen, but there's about five players more likely to score a goal than Bowen, and he's nearly 10 million. And so I just don't think he's an option, even with that, those three fixtures being Wolves, Fulham, and Southampton that do look really tempting. Then if you hold him through the Liverpool match, which anyone can score in, I don't know why I've got that fixture highlighted in red, um, then it's Bournemouth as well, who, you know what I mean, can conceded nine not too long ago. So yeah, those are my 27 options for Salah replacements. Uh, feel free to comment uh, how many people should actually be in a watch list video and why is it a lower number than 27? Uh, thank you very much for coming. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. And yeah, see you later in the week for what I believe is going to be a football based video where I talk about actual football, not the fantasy kind. And I I, I touch on an updated uh, underrated Premier League players video. So watch out for that. It would be great to see some support on that because uh, those videos do take some time analysis and energy. Uh, goodbye uh, see you soon and um, you know good luck in your mini league uh, I hope this helps